we're not really taught how to prioritize female pleasure. And if cis men are watching porn as a teenager and they are hetero, that's what they're seeing, right? Yeah. comes back to this pornography piece of like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. This is how it's done. I'm just going to fuck really hard and really fast. And then they're going to come and it's going to be freaking fantastic. Like I did my thing. Yeah. And like, maybe they'll squirt because that's what I saw in the porn I watched. Hello, welcome back for another episode of Interstates and Heartbreak. I'm so excited to have Azaria Menezes. She is a sex, intimacy, and relationship coach. She helps women, moms, and couples on their journeys towards empowerment in love, pleasure, and intimacy. And she hosts her own podcast called Getting Intimate, very aptly named. So welcome, Azaria. Hey, hey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to be here today and chat about all the juicy things with you. Yes. I was super excited to, you know, just find you and just hear a little bit more about like your specialty and just like how you have these amazing open conversations about intimacy and sexuality. It's super empowering to see. Yes, absolutely. I think it's definitely a topic that needs to be so much more talked about and just more widely spread. And I think there just needs to be more conversations around healthy sex, conscious Mm -hmm. relationships, what it feels like to be in your body and in pleasure and feel empowered about sexual choices that you're making Mm -hmm. and feel really good and excited about the sex that you're having. Yeah, it's so important. And I feel like, you know, life is too long, honestly, to have mediocre sex. Absolutely. Yes. So I would love to hear, you know, like, when did you start to become aware of your sexuality? I feel like we all had something that kind of triggered it for us. And what did that journey look like for you growing up? (laughs) Yeah. So for me, I was such a curious child around my sexuality, even just my changing body, my growing body. I was always very, very inquisitive. So Mm -hmm. I was that annoying kid who would always ask all the questions and all of the awkward (laughs) questions. And Mm -hmm. my parents had a great time with me, seriously. (laughs) They were (laughs) encouraging me to go do my own research. So back in the day, Mm -hmm. they would give me books and provide me with lexicons Mm -hmm. and just like send me to the library and be like, if you want to know, like do your own research. And that really encouraged me to actually learn about my body and sexuality and relationships in a healthy way. I think a lot of a, a lot of parents go around or they get really awkward around it or they don't really explain it properly or maybe they have their own triggers mm-hmm. and ideas and experiences around what that means to explain that to your child. So I had a very neutral and almost like positive upbringing into my own sexuality. And I think think the older I got, like I grew up in Austria and Europe and it's a very sexually open culture. And so they're more open with Mm -hmm. bodies and they're more open with sexuality. So when I moved to Canada, it was a whole different world for me. And I was a teenager and Mm -hmm. there was more shame around bodies culturally. Mm -hmm. And there was just Mm -hmm. more, there was more of like hiding in terms of sexuality, right? So that was really, really interesting for me to experience. And of course, growing up, you know, you experience so many things. And for me, I experienced sexual abuse when I was younger and I Mm. had gone through that. And that was really what Mm. led me to want to go deeper in my healing journey and deeper into my trauma Mm. and really, really do the work so that I can actually feel like I enjoyed sex again and feel like I could be present in my body and be present with my pleasure and also come to a place Mm -hmm. where I'm not just having sex because it's a chore or just playing the part for my partner or just showing up in sex really disconnected from my body and my pleasure. I really wanted to thrive in my sex life. And so that is what inspired my journey. And 
I think that it's it's been for me, it's been an incredible experience to be in a place where I am today. And this is why I love, love, love supporting women and couples in their journey to just reigniting that spark into their sexuality and also addressing those deeper things, those deeper blocks that can actually hold us back from mm-hmm. getting into our bodies, getting into our pleasure, getting into the enjoyment of sex and really expanding our ideas and our preconceived ideas of what sex actually means to us and what relationship really means to us. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that about your background. And I have to Mm -hmm. say, I think it's really amazing and inspiring that you took something that's so unfortunate as experiencing sexual trauma and you used that to empower yourself because I can imagine, you know, that it would be very easy to kind of shy away from sex and not face the trauma head on and not use it as something that inspires you to move your sexual journey forward. So that's really amazing that you took ownership in that regard. Yeah. And you know what? It is a journey, right? Like I did go through my phases and I think it's really just about that curiosity that I had that really just inspired me to wonder if there's more beyond what I was already feeling. So I'm definitely grateful for curiosity. In this point, curiosity did not kill the cat. (laughs) Opposite. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So, yeah, I wanted to go back to one thing that you said about how oftentimes, you know, people can get stuck in this role where they feel like they are doing, you know, maybe sex in a performative manner. It's really just for their partner. They feel like it's a chore. And so from your experience, how would you kind of define engaging in your sexuality versus being an active, empowered participant? Yeah, I think we have to start with sex education in general, right? We're not Mm -hmm. really taught on how to enjoy sex. We're not really Mm -hmm. taught about the pleasure aspect of sex in school and maybe when we're talking to our friends when we're younger or how Mm -hmm. our parents explain it to us. It's very, it's very like fact-based, but also there's, there's a lot of fear sometimes attached to it. And Mm -hmm. a lot of the times the pleasure aspect of it really gets left out. And I think we really Mm -hmm. need to encourage that more because a lot of us think that to have a healthy sex life and to enjoy sex and to be engaged in sex is something that we should automatically already know. It's natural. Sex is something mm-hmm. that everyone has, but it's actually something mm-hmm. that you learn because we live in such a sexually disempowered society that it doesn't actually support truly being in our bodies and truly feeling yeah. pleasure and having less goal-oriented sex. Yeah. Right? So it's something that we have to learn if we don't feel like we're fully engaged in our bodies and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Yes, sex does come naturally, but Mm -hmm. really that enjoyment and that pleasure and almost like the physical sensation of sex is easy, but really Mm -hmm. being in sex with intimacy and feeling all of your sensations and expanding your idea of what sex even means. So I would say if you are disengaged in sex and you feel like you're really in your head or you feel like you can't really be present, it's one of those things that if you're not feeling good about the sex that you're having and you're not feeling Mm -hmm. empowered about your sexual choices and you aren't feeling excited about the sex that you're having, then it's really just looking at how can I get more into my body and how can I feel more into my pleasure in sex? I'm not Mm. saying that one or the other is bad, right? Like you can be sexually empowered at any point in time in your sex life. And Mm. also if something isn't fully making you excited about the sex you're having and fully not turning you on about Mm. the sex that you're having, then I would say, yeah, there's an opportunity to work on that. But if you are feeling fully sexually empowered and you're happy about the sex that you're having and you're excited about it Mm. and you are present with the sex that you're having as well and with your partner and it's making you feel really really juicy and excited and it's also expanding Mm -hmm. your orgasmic potential Mm -hmm. sex can be healing too right so there's so many aspects of it to be sexually empowered is really just a feeling yeah yeah I love that Mm -hmm. and it's obviously going to look so different for everybody and so I think it's really important to distinguish that absolutely Yeah. yeah We had a really great conversation when we first met each other about porn and thoughts about porn. And so I wanted to kind of focus in on, as you were kind of finding your own empowerment and what that meant to you, what role did porn play in that journey? And just kind of diving into first impressions of porn and how your relationship with it has evolved and going from there. 
Absolutely. I mean, I discovered pornography at a really young age. I think it's very common for lots of mm-hmm. lots of teens or whenever you discover it first, right, to see it at a really young age and to be exposed to it at a very young age. And so yeah. for me, it was it was normal at that sense because a lot of my other friends are watching pornography and I didn't really think about the actual effects that pornography can have on your brain. And I didn't mm-hmm. really think anything about it right it was just like oh okay cool like guys really like this and that's great Mm -hmm. I was never really that into it at a young age like it wasn't really a thing that was exciting about me but to me it seemed really performative even at that time and I never really got into it because I just felt I just felt like it was fake for me at the time. And I felt like I couldn't really enjoy it fully. And even when I, you know, when my friends asked me if I liked porn at a young age, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, porn's cool. Like that was even performative itself, right? Like that, that kind of desire. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it was just, it was just one of those things. And, And the older I got and the more that I researched into pornography and through my trainings and all of that, I really discovered that pornography can have a huge, 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 huge effect on the brain and how you experience sex and mm-hmm. the ways that you get turned on and how yeah. and, you know, it's a stimulant, right? It's essentially a huge stimulant on your brain. Mm-hmm. And it even affects the way that you can come to orgasm and all just all the ways that you get off. Right. Mm-hmm. And your brain just saves it because it's a thing yeah. that works great. And it just wants <laughs> another hit. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. It's one of those things that for me, I have a really different relationship to pornography now and very, mm-hmm. very intentional about how I consume any type of pornography. So not just like the visual mm-hmm. pornography, yeah. but what it does to me and how it's affecting me, because it is, it is one of those things that, you know, you have to be careful around pornography because there's a lot of damaging porn out there. And yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It is a very complicated relationship, I think, for individuals, for our society as a whole. Absolutely. The first time that I remember seeing porn, it was definitely not a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was part of this organization in college. Like I hadn't even watched porn in high school, like not for any reason, really. It was just, you know, it hadn't been something that I'd explored as yet. Right. And so I'm at this retreat. It's a co-ed retreat. And someone puts porn on the screen, like where we're all like in the living room together. And it was definitely not the type of porn I'm personally into. It was like very much like close up shots of penetration and then like squirting on the camera. And I was like, wow, this is a lot. So I feel like after that, I was just like, if this is what porn is, like, I don't need it. You know, like, I'm good without it. Like, I can just, you know, use my own memories when I need to pleasure myself. And so, yeah, it definitely took a while to kind of realize, like, no, it is nuanced. I think, though, that oftentimes, you know, those direct penetration shots and all of this stuff that's like not really sensual, but maybe it's just more sexual off the bat, that I think is oftentimes like the impression that people have when they're envisioning porn, if it's something that they haven't explored themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's just generally, there's so much pornography out there and there's so many different types of pornography out there. And the mainstream pornography, I think can definitely be one of those things that we have to really be careful of as a society, right? Because there are some damaging aspects in there and there are a lot of different people and underage people watching that. And we have to think about how that's rewiring their brain or how that's preparing them about the ideas of sex. And even as Mm -hmm. adults and even as people who've had lots of sex, like the types of porn we watch, it's still affecting our brains in a certain way. It's still rewiring how we seek pleasure, what turns us on, how we get off, right? So looking, looking at that aspect of it can actually be really, really healthy at like taking some inventory like okay what am I actually consuming how often am I consuming it right and Mm -hmm. what is this doing to my body and how is it affecting my sex life of course I don't have the perspective of being a male who consumed porn before their first sexual experience but I really do often wonder like how does that impact your expectation and then are you disappointed 
Because I can only guess that 99% of people's first experience is nothing like what you would see in a porn, no matter yeah. what type of porn you're consuming. It's like going to be a little awkward and maybe hesitant, yeah. you know, if it's also the other person's first time. Absolutely. And so, yeah, it's fascinating to just think about, especially as it becomes more ubiquitous, how that impacts people and yes. what it's doing to their first experience when they finally engage with a partner. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you said your consumption of porn has evolved over time in terms of like what you've sought out and what you have actually chosen to let into your orbit. Yeah. And so I guess I would love to hear like what that evolution looked like, any misconceptions or hesitancies that you experienced at first and how you kind of overcame those. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, I try to seek out as much conscious porn as I can. And so I really, really stay mm -hmm. away from mainstream porn. And I really, really don't watch it very often at all. This is really like a once in a blue moon thing when I'm fully feeling mm -hmm. the craving for it and the excitement mm -hmm. around it. And I try to choose porn that is extremely close to real life. So there are mm, yeah. a few great pornographers out there who try to bring in that mm -hmm. human aspect as well, like laughing, talking, how it is in real life. Because yes. really, there is something exciting about watching, right? There, There is something really beautiful yeah, about yeah. watching other people enjoy their pleasure. So I totally understand that aspect of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm also trying to invite the healthiest way of doing it that I can yeah. so that I can also have a good conscience yes. <laughs> watching my porn, knowing that the actors are paid, knowing that it's yeah. ethical, mm -hmm. knowing that, you know, there's also just a human aspect into that and more conscious sexuality mm -hmm. and humans who are actually really enjoying doing the work that they yeah. do, right? And feeling really inspired about the things that they do because it is important. And again, these things stay mm -hmm. in your brain, right? Like when you're watching pornography and you see something, sometimes those images oh my, yeah, stick in your brain. And they're like, those images that pop up when you're mad. <laughs> like, and you're like, okay, this isn't even what I wanted, but okay. Yeah, get it out of here. <laughs> right? And it's those things. It's like the brain just saves all of these images and it saves all of these experiences. And I think that mm -hmm. when I am having sex or when I'm masturbating, like I'm really careful about what I look at and what I view because yes. it is, your brain just saves it and it's there. right? So. Yeah. You're so right. And I think I am kind of similar in the sense that I don't really watch porn a lot. I found one site that I'm like, okay, this is, you know, it's, marketed as being geared towards women, just being a little more sensual. It has that right. real element that you mentioned, because yeah. I think that's so important. It's like you want to be able to kind of see yourself a little bit in the people who you're watching. Like you don't want it to seem like this crazy, like ultra sexy, like unrealistic performative thing. Yeah. And like what you said about images sticking in your mind. So I went to Amsterdam about two years ago for the first time. And so on my last night there, my friend and I went to a sex show because I was just like, you know, I feel like if you're in Amsterdam, you have to go. Right, it's right, right. something you need to experience. And so we walk in and the way it worked in this particular sex show is like, it's 24 hours. So no matter what time you walk in, something will be happening on stage. Right. And so we walk in and it's the middle of this act and we're kind of towards the back. And then later on, like we move up a few rows, we move up a few rows. And eventually we were in like the second or third row. So we had like a <laughs> A very good view. And I always, whenever I tell people about this experience, I say I stayed too long because I was under the impression that it's like, these are real couples and they right. just decided to put their lives out there. And, you know, then they have one show and then they're done. Right. But all of the acts are on a loop. And so we ended up staying oh. and we saw the first act that we had kind of walked in on. And because we were in the second row now, first of all, we're seeing it's all the same moves. It's choreographed. And right. I can just see this guy's face while he's getting a blowjob. And I was like, he looks miserable. Like he is not enjoying this. Like he just looks like he would rather be anywhere else. And I was like, I can still envision it now, actually, to yeah. your point about those images sticking with you. And I was like, oh, like that really pulled the curtain back in a way that I didn't need to see. That's actually the thing though, right? Like we can get so desensitized from that. And and I think that mm -hmm. is really the dark and the, the shadow side of pornography and mm -hmm. sex work and all of that, right? It's really that exploitation yeah. part and really just 
purely for the part of entertainment, but actually it takes the humanity and the humanness out of it. And I, I think deep down, that's yeah. what we're all craving, especially when we watch pornography, mm-hmm. right? Like a part of us wants to be, wants to be connected to another human, connected to fantasy, connected mm-hmm. to sexuality, connected to another body, right? Connected to yeah. touch. And it's a really interesting way to approach that especially when it comes to pornography right and and mm-hmm. again as i said there can be so many damaging and dark aspects of pornography and how this yeah. is all set up in the first place and it can actually be quite violent to engage in pornography if it's not done in an ethical and an empowering way and there's there's not a lot of that out there. So the majority of porn really doesn't fall into that category. There's very, 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 very little amounts of pornography out there that are really aligned with people's values. And they're there because they're excited about it. Mm -hmm. And they're maybe directing their show, right? OnlyFans is one of those examples is where sex workers are taking their power back and really just going on a platform and being their own bosses, right? So that is a small way of doing that. But at the end of the day, you still have to look at like, how are they really feeling about the job that they're doing? And right, like there's there's so many small things behind pornography that we have to take into account to actually make it really ethical and to have it feel good in our bodies, right? Because sometimes when you watch porn, it's like exciting mm-hmm. and then you get off and then after you're like, like, let's just quickly shut the laptop. Like I did not look at that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Queer that search history. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that's a big sign, right? That the body actually isn't mm-hmm. really in alignment with that. And It's just interesting Mm -hmm. because we ignore that so much and it just becomes so desensitized, right? Yeah. It's so funny that you said that just because this one podcast that I listened to, the male host, he will make that joke of, you know, you're just like in the moment. And then after you come, you're just like, what? Like, what did I just do? And like, you see the like reflection of yourself in your laptop and you're just horrified. (laughs) It's one of those things. They did so much research on it and- pornography impacts your dopamine and serotonin receptors, right? And so Mm -hmm. this just makes you want more and more and more and more. And it's one of those things that can just get so addictive. And it's not really that you want more and more and more of it. It's because now you need more and more intense things to really get those hits, right? And so then you go Mm -hmm. deeper and deeper and deeper. And all of a sudden, you're watching really like intense stuff that you may not even like in real life, but it's really just like looking for that like dopamine and serotonin hit in your brain and that feel good factor, right? It it can almost Mm -hmm. be like an addiction. A lot of the times people have pornography addictions and just really, you know, dialing it back to that human connection and connecting to your body. And there's so many Mm -hmm. ways to approach pornography and sex that you can do it in a way that feels Mm -hmm. good in your body. Yeah. So I kind of wanted to get into the ethical porn piece because I think, you know, you touched on a few of the elements that make porn ethical versus non-ethical, like fair wages or voluntarily participating from the actors and actresses. Absolutely. What other elements can make porn unethical? And also... There's probably not a foolproof way, but are there Mm. any things that you can do to kind of investigate whether the porn that you're consuming was created ethically? Yeah. I mean, mainstream porn is definitely probably most of it isn't ethical because they aren't Mm. paid a fair wage. There's so many different levels of consent right? That Mm -hmm. are a part of ethical porn. And there's always checking in along every single step with all parties. And a lot of the times that isn't really done in the mainstream porn, right? They're like, okay, you're coming in Monday morning, and you're going to do this. And we're going to take this many shots. And maybe you'll end up doing something that you don't even want to do. And that wasn't even in the script, but just right, like so many of those things. And also, there's so many other unethical movies and videos on mainstream pornography there's like rape scenes and Mm. you can really get deep into all of those things things that are uploaded that weren't even uploaded with consent right and so there's so many people writing into these companies asking them to take the stuff off Mm -hmm. and they're not really willing to budge right so there's so many different ways it can be unethical so in terms of looking at ethical porn, it's really important to do so much research on it and look at the values of the company who's doing it and the directors and the people who work in it and really just 
I would recommend paying for your porn, first of all, because if you're getting free porn, mm -hmm. it's probably definitely yeah. not ethical. <laughs> yeah. Right. So paying for your porn, like a lot of people don't like doing it. And they're like, I don't want to spend, I don't know, $100 or $200 a year on this subscription, right? But this actually is mm -hmm. a really big step in ethical porn and fair wages and all of that, right? And especially if you can pay yeah. them directly, yeah. that's a great way as well. Yeah. And also, there's so many other ways to um, engage and explore pornography. That's not just video, yeah. right? So yeah. That's so, true. At That's so true. Different ways to, yeah, listen or read or have an, an audio so somebody else's voice read it to you. You can, there's books out there, right? There's so many ways to explore pornography and also just like mm -hmm. looking for, for conscious porn. Like there's spiritual, mm -hmm. spiritual sex, mm -hmm. right? So even just looking at, neotantric porn or something like that mm -hmm. but that's done in an ethical way like two people really consenting and creating yeah this beautiful movie out of full fuck yes and full excitement and full pleasure yeah. and full alignment in their in their own value so i would definitely say it's hard to find ethical porn out there it's definitely definitely mm -hmm. hard and there are a few incredible pornographers who are doing a great job of it but if it's free and if it's on any of the mainstream places, it's probably not ethical. So I would not yeah. recommend checking that out. Yeah. That's a good reminder, I think, you know, just kind of bringing the reality into the situation because I think it's easy to just ignore Absolutely. it and assume the best. But the sad reality is a lot of mm -hmm. these companies don't have the best intentions. So. Absolutely not. And you know what? You might stumble upon a video on the mainstream pornography websites that is or looks ethical but then a lot of the other movies that they host deep down somewhere in their archives can be really really damaging and really really violent yeah. and especially against women mm -hmm. right so it's one of those things that we have to be really really careful of and really intentional of because being able to support these companies just allows them to have bigger platforms and i'm not saying like it's the person at the top's fault but it's really mm -hmm. easy for bad people to sneak in and mm -hmm. create a lot of issues that are supporting a deeper, darker side of the sex work industry and pornography industry, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So aside from like the ethics of it, I also kind of wanted to talk about, you know, I think we have all experienced times when maybe the images we see in the media, whether it's porn or otherwise, can really impact the way that we feel about ourselves. You know, like oftentimes there are beauty standards that maybe we wouldn't have had until they were presented us into the media. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, porn, it's so fascinating because we aren't going to see in the mainstream media, like every inch of someone's body. But then if you're watching right. porn, those media like images, it just extends to areas that wouldn't necessarily be associated with any unwarranted shame that you have. Absolutely. And I think it also just like presents these standards that wouldn't typically exist. And like to give a pretty like crude example, to be honest, I feel like the whole industry of like bleaching your asshole, like I don't know that mm -hmm. that would be something that we think is necessary if it weren't yeah. for porn. Yeah. It's so interesting. And I think it's also not something that is only exclusive to women, right? Because it's like a lot of ways, sometimes I wonder how does it impact men if they are comparing the size of their penis to the size that they see in the porn that they watch? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And so I guess I'm curious if you have any thoughts about other ways that porn can impact body confidence and then just how do you kind of combat those negative impacts that it could have? Yeah, I think when it comes to pornography and, and bodies and body confidence, and pornography is really just made for entertainment purposes, right? So mm -hmm. they're going to try and dramatize and try to make everything as quote unquote perfect as they think it mm -hmm. should look for everyone to get like the maximum mm -hmm. entertainment factor out of it, right? And yeah. it's just gotten more and more intense over the year and more and more extreme. And I think mm -hmm. a lot of the times when we watch pornography, even the rise in labiaplasties, all of those things, mm -hmm. right? Like it yeah. really doesn't embrace bodies as they are and as they look. And of course there's different types of bodies everywhere. There's different types of pornographies, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. But I think really um, looking at, pornography that really strives to have these ideal quote-unquote bodies in there and mm -hmm. women with quote-unquote the perfect pussies and men with the mm -hmm. biggest dicks like really it, it just can affect 
people's confidence and how they feel about their body and how they mm-hmm. relate to sex and how they feel about showing up in sex and how they're feeling around being in their body and the expectations that we set on ourselves, right? There's yeah. a lot of performatism in that. And I think mm-hmm. it also can really affect how you are showing up in your body and this can bring up a lot of shame, right? It can bring up a lot of shame Mm -hmm. around how you look. It can bring a lot of shame around what is expected of you and sex. And Mm -hmm. I think that in order to really shift that, it is important to diversify and also normalize Mm -hmm. other types of bodies, right? And in pornography, it's just been kind of one type of body, one type of look to really, as I said, get that maximum entertainment factor out of it. And I think it definitely has been really damaging Mm -hmm. to people. And especially when it comes to how we feel about our genitals, right? That's a huge, huge thing. And now we're comparing ourselves all the time. And I mean, even looking at, as I said, the rise of labiaplasties, it just shows that women aren't happy with the way Mm -hmm. their genitals look. And that's incredibly sad because everybody is so different and so unique and so beautiful. And there Mm -hmm. isn't that empowerment piece, that body empowerment piece that we so, so, so need in what would be like a healthy Mm -hmm. pornography, right? Like what difference would it have made if we're seeing Mm -hmm. a diverse amount of bodies in pornography? Like how do you think we would relate to our bodies? It would be so, so different. And I think that is a huge piece that is missing, again, as I said, in pornography, because it's one of those things that could actually make a huge impact on how we relate to our bodies when we look at pornography and how we relate to sex as a whole. Do you feel that like the porn industry is behind the rest of the media and entertainment industry in terms of representation, because I do feel like there's been a lot more progress, especially in very recent years towards depicting different body sizes, even in ad campaigns, even when it comes to like lingerie and workout gear, where it's traditionally one specific type of body. And yet it doesn't sound like the mainstream porn industry has mimicked that at all. I really, I mean, I haven't, looked at a lot of porn yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I can be a great judge of that I'm actually not sure how much they have changed it but mm-hmm. my guess and from what I'm hearing and the feedback that I'm getting is it's still very much so the same as it was yeah. I don't know 10 years ago but there is an emphasis like when we do look at things like ethical porn they're trying to bring more diversity in there right so Mm. looking at diverse actors is one of those things that's so so important in ethical porn because we are humans right and we are so diverse and so bringing that diversity is also a really really important piece and being able to see diverse actors and different backgrounds and different abilities i think that that is really really important as well I'm glad that you mentioned that because I think that sometimes, you know, people could say, oh, but there is diversity. But from my understanding, again, as someone who doesn't consume a lot of porn either, oftentimes it's more presented in like a fetish type of way or like commoditizing a certain type of person. And so I love the idea of representation, but just as a default of it doesn't matter what this person's race is. This is just a person and they're engaging in sex. It's not about like playing into the stereotypes of what you think one particular race is going to act like in the bedroom or how crazy or wild they might be. Exactly, exactly. And it's the fetishization that is actually so damaging yeah. as well. And, and just the idea of that. But I do think that there, you know, if you're looking at ethical porn, there are some pornographers, as I said, who are trying their best to yeah. kind of steer that away. And also just looking at, you know, if mainstream pornography changed all of their porn tomorrow, how many mm-hmm. people would actually stay and watch their porn? Right. Yeah. That's sad to think about. It's it's a very sad thought. And really just recognizing like how desensitized the world has actually become to Mm -hmm. sexuality and to what type of pornography they're consuming. And that's where Mm -hmm. you can really see the effect that pornography has and this type of style and the mainstream pornography has like on everyone as a whole, right? As if we took Mm -hmm. that away and replaced everything tomorrow, how many people would actually watch it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it would Mm -hmm. definitely take some time for people to start to adopt it and start to be Mm -hmm. okay with the loss of what they're accustomed to viewing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'd also love to talk about, you know, 
the orgasm gap and how porn does or doesn't contribute to that. And so I was doing a little bit of research into it and just to give a brief definition. So the orgasm gap is just the difference in the frequency with which people have orgasms with a partner. And so looking into it, there are so many different percentages that you could cite depending on the study. But the trend that I just saw across the board is that, you know, men have the most frequent orgasms when they're having partnered sex. And then queer women have orgasms with the next highest frequency. And then heterosexual women have the fewest orgasms. And I think that oftentimes in heterosexual porn, there's a very strong focus on penetrative sex. There are certain moves and positions that they show that might not necessarily be the best for female orgasm. And there's just a lot of other things that contribute. Like there's limited focus on foreplay, or if there's oral, I think oftentimes it's more focused on like male pleasure. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think I would love to kind of talk about how you think that might contribute to the orgasm gap as people are maybe trying to mimic what they see in porn for their own sex lives. Absolutely. And I mean, this dates back to a long time ago where (laughs) the focus is just on cis male pleasure, right? That's all we see even just on movies and Netflix. When do you ever see female focused pleasure in the movies, right? It's usually just like, okay, we're going to do penetrative sex and you're going to get off in three seconds after <laughs> yeah. I come and we're going to come together and it's going to be fucking magical. Like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> that is so far from the truth. And yeah. I think they definitely need to do, even just the media needs to do a better job at focusing on female pleasure and focusing on the realities of what that might look like. And also focusing yeah. on the diversity of orgasms and the diversity of pleasure mm-hmm. and And just bringing back the humanness into it because it creates a really, really false expectation for people's sex lives. And Mm -hmm. you're watching these shows and you're like, oh my gosh, like, why am I not having a sex like this? Like, is something wrong with me, right? Like, is something something really wrong with me? And maybe you're hearing from your friends. Maybe some of them do Mm -hmm. experience sex like that. And you're like, oh my gosh, like, I must be broken, right? And this just perpetuates this false narrative in the bedroom and it cultivates shame Mm -hmm. and it cultivates guilt and there's so many emotions that can come up for this so I think that there's a really really easy way to solve this and it's just education right educating Mm -hmm. on what it means to be excited about female pleasure and really finding more of a balance between male and female pleasure in the bedroom because Mm -hmm. yeah there there's definitely a huge difference in you know when we look at different couples and different demographics in queer relationships versus hetero relationships i've even experienced this Mm -hmm. in real life for me because i would date women probably 80% more than I dated men. And I definitely Mm -hmm. noticed the difference in satisfaction. But Mm -hmm. what changed around for me was really the education piece. It's like, we're not really taught how to prioritize female pleasure. And if cis men are watching porn as a teenager, and they are hetero, that's what they're seeing, right? Yeah. comes back to this pornography piece of like, okay, this is what I'm seeing. This is how it's done. I'm just going to fuck really hard and really fast. And then they're going to come and she's going to come fantastic. Like I did my thing. Yeah. And like, maybe they'll squirt. Cause that's what I saw in the porn. I watched. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the lens that they're walking through the world with. And then there's so many expectations on, you know, a woman's end of like, I have to perform, I have to moan a certain way, yes. I have to really, yes. you know, fake an orgasm, all of these things, it all mm-hmm. originates in pornography, right? And what the media portrays. Yeah. So I do think that all of this is deeply, deeply rooted in pornography. And also in queer relationships, you lose those heteronormative, like, quote unquote, rules that you have to follow around sex. And this is where mm, the curiosity yeah. and the exploration really comes in, because you're like, okay, there isn't some type of construct that I'm supposed to be following. And so now we actually mm-hmm. just get to explore and be with each other. And I think we definitely need to bring that into more of the hetero relationships and into couples who are experiencing this orgasm gap, just because education is one of those things that can really, really support what it actually means to enjoy sex and to be present Mm -hmm. and to be with your partner rather than follow this idea in your head of what it's supposed to be and what it's supposed to look like, because that just builds a lot of pressure and tension in the body. 
and now you're not able to relax and now maybe you're not able to be orgasmic and now you're feeling upset about not having yeah. an orgasm. Now you're maybe feeling guilty about it and your partner is just like, oh, did you enjoy that? And you're like, yeah, I did. It was great. That was right. Great. So <laughs> yeah. and this can just continue on. And I think really taking the time to realize that it's okay. Like we weren't actually educated on how to pleasure a woman's body, on how to prioritize and find a balance in pleasure for both, right? How to be really curious about pleasure, mm-hmm, how to mm-hmm. be in our body and notice our sensations. Everything in our world is go, go, go and fast, 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 right? So we actually don't take a lot of time to mm-hmm. be present in our bodies and really feel what's going on underneath and really just feel into the sensations of our bodies. And it's the same with sex, right? So mm-hmm. if you're a cis woman, it could take you from 30 to 40 minutes to actually be ready for penetration itself because the body needs time to prepare. It needs to mm-hmm. get all of the juices flowing to the right places. It needs all of the blood to flow to all of the parts yeah. to really get you ready for penetration. And 30 to 40 minutes, like most people yeah. are already done. Yeah, time. it's so true. And Next is already over, right? Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where we really actually have to deeply commit, deeply commit to enjoying sex and slowing sex down so, so much more and yeah. bringing back that sensitivity into sex. And even with pornography, looking at, okay, if I'm choosing to watch porn, what would it feel like mm-hmm. to actually stop and climax without it, right? What would it feel to bring that human experience back into my body mm-hmm. right so there's different ways to integrate that and also not using pornography as something that you know maybe you do every day because yeah. it really takes you away it really desensitizes your brain and it stimulates you in such a way yeah. that actually takes you away from the sexual experience and that's why you know we're even seeing situations where lots of young men are struggling with erectile dysfunction Mm -hmm. because of the pornography they might be watching because it it becomes really, really hard to connect to a person in real life when you're looking at pornography and your brain has this preconceived idea of what sex is and what pleasure is and what gets you off and what turns you the fuck on. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that you're getting off to now. And then when you do it in real life, it's like, oh, like I feel really disconnected from this. And it's because we're desensitizing ourselves and we're not used to it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not shaming anyone or I'm not saying that it's bad or anything, but just if it doesn't feel good for you, just look at how you can shift things a little bit and come back to your body, right? Come back to the sensations that you're feeling in your body and come back to the pleasure mm-hmm. of sex, right? There's so many people that are just in their heads about sex and they can't relax and they feel like they just can't get mm-hmm. into their bodies. And it's really just about starting to feel those sensations and connecting with your body and what you're feeling and everything that is happening inside of you rather than a stimuli that's in the screen. Yeah, definitely. That makes so much sense. And I think that transitions really well into ways that you can use porn in a healthy way. And when I say healthy way, I mean like not relying on it, but kind of, you know, using it maybe as another avenue to explore your interests and further tap into your sexuality. And I just think, you know, also, I love that we've talked so openly about masturbation because I feel like, especially for females, I think it's less stigmatized in today's society, but it is still stigmatized more than, you know, speaking about male masturbation. And I just feel like, you know, there's so much that that can do in order to impact your confidence in the bedroom, not only with yourself, but then later on when you're with a partner and you know, this is what turns me on. I know Mm -hmm. how to turn myself on and I can then direct my partner on how to do this. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of consuming pornography in a way that feels good to you is taking a moment to think about what Mm -hmm. you even like about pornography, right? I don't think we really Mm -hmm. think about what do we actually like about this? Is it the watching part? Is it that it's really easy for you Mm -hmm. to get turned on? Or is it like a certain kink or Mm -hmm. fetish? Or is it that it's really easy for me to focus on something? So once you figure out what you actually really enjoy about pornography, you can then actually begin to deconstruct Mm -hmm. that, right? So maybe you really enjoy the part where it turns Mm -hmm. you on easily. It's something that can easily turn you on. You can start to think about ways like, okay, how can I actually turn myself Mm -hmm. on? How can I explore turning myself on without pornography? What is it that turns me on? Mm -hmm. And looking at it more of an exploration of how you can get there and also integrate parts of the pornography that 
you like. So really like doing kind of like a reverse engineer of what you like. And maybe you're like, I actually really like the sound of porn. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can switch to just audio, right? Sometimes it's really nice to hear people just like doing that whispering thing (laughs) or just reading erotic stories to you. Maybe it's like Mm -hmm. a certain type of voice. Yeah, that's true. Or maybe there is like a visual aspect of it. And think about what turns you on visually about pornography. Maybe it's bodies. So there's even like photography that you can look at that is extremely erotic, Mm -hmm. right? And there's so many different ways to approach pornography in a way that feels really good to you, but yeah. it's always really good to look at why you're attracted to the porn that you're watching and yeah. look at other ways to invite your senses into it, invite your body into it so that it becomes mm-hmm. an experience that you are feeling in your body and not just watching in your screen because that's yeah. just really like brain porn. It's not like a body experience. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So if you're really into pornography that you can listen to. There's so many platforms out there where they're reading erotic stories, where you can listen to people just Mm -hmm. talk, listen to people whisper sweet, juicy things, right? It's like ASMR, but like erotic. Exactly. 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 There's books, right? And there is conscious porn out there. So take a look at, you know, Google conscious porn, Google ethical porn. There's lots of amazing pornographers out there. But again, it's important to look at their mission statements, their values, if they have any statements around what they pay all of their actors and Mm -hmm. there's diversity. All of those things that we talked about today are are really, really important. And I think a big thing is just like, does it feel good after the fact, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. How do you feel when you close the laptop? (laughs) When you close the laptop, when you turn off the app, close the book. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good litmus test. Yeah. And also we have to remember that sometimes, right, it might not even be the pornography that we're watching, but it's how we feel about sex as well. So sometimes a lot of shame and guilt can come up in terms of how we feel about our sexuality or how we even relate to our sexuality or our upbringing as well. So that's just like an invitation to see if you want to go deeper into the whys of that, right? So there's yeah. that as well. So if you are like watching conscious porn and you feel really good about it and you still end up feeling weird after, it could also be something else. Right? Yeah. It could also be that maybe you have different ways of relating to masturbating, right? Different stigmas mm-hmm. or different ideas around what it means to even self-pleasure. So yeah. that's always a thing too. So there's lots of different ways of support out there that you can get. There's therapy, mm-hmm. with sex coach, all of those kinds of fun things. Yeah, absolutely. And the last thing I wanted to talk about, I feel like we've really kind of dove through our individual relationship with porn. And I guess yeah. I'd love to hear, like, do you have any advice on how people can maybe use porn with a partner to better understand their partner's preferences and their turn-ons and everything about them sexually. Mm -hmm. So I think that communication is huge, right? I think that before watching something together, communication is always going to be one of those things that is going to be your biggest source of information in terms of what your partner Mm -hmm. likes. So even just going online and looking at the different types of kinks, fetishes, all of those fun things Mm -hmm. and creating a list about it and just talking about it. Like, is this a yes for you? Mm -hmm. Is this a maybe for you? Is this a hard no for Mm -hmm. you? Like what is something that you would like to explore and what do you like about it? Because maybe we can find similar things, right? So communication, I would say definitely always before like, Oh, let's watch a porn and find out what we (laughs) Yeah. In the moment. (laughs) It's a lot of pressure. So so many couples do that to avoid communicating about sex and there aren't really big conversations and deep conversations around likes and dislikes. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to just default to porn, right? To figure out whether somebody likes something and you don't have to talk about it and maybe it's just an easy way. But actually, I think it's definitely more healthy to have a conversation around the sex that you're having and have a conversation about the pornography you're consuming and what that looks like for you. Because Mm -hmm. It can become one of those things that you want to hide from your partner, right? And if you do want to share it with them, they might be like, oh, I'm so not into that. And that can just create a lot of space for shame. And really just having an open conversation around things can be a really great way to navigate those, those explorations. Yeah, I love the disclaimer that you should definitely converse first because I feel like it could be a little jarring to kind of explore that as it's, you know, 
presented on screen in front of you if you haven't had a conversation mm-hmm. about what one person is comfortable with versus the other. Absolutely. It's all about consent, right? And yeah. sometimes we don't really know how we're going to feel around it. So talking about anything that is happening in the bedroom is so, so, so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you want to support each other's nervous systems in this as well, right? Absolutely. Because it can be. We don't know what the other person might experience watching this or how they might feel about it. And maybe it's going to be a little tricky to talk about. So really just talking about everything beforehand can be healthy. Yes. And to be fully transparent, I personally haven't actually used this with a partner, but I do have a friend who recently recommended this site and I believe it's called We Should Try This or maybe it's an app and I'll look it up and link to it in the show notes. But essentially it has both people go through a quiz to determine what they would be interested in trying, what they are very interested in Mm -hmm. trying and what they're not open to trying. And so then it shows you your mutual results so that then you can use that as a starting point. And then, you know, there's no shame. Absolutely. Yeah. Open to it. So. Absolutely. That's, that's a really, really great idea. And I actually create lists like that for my clients. But it's really nice that there's an app for it. (laughs) We are in 2021. And if there's an app for it, it's freaking amazing. So that is great. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's good to explore what you like. And also know that these things can change, Mm -hmm. right? They can evolve. They can change. And that's why it's so, so important to discuss communication. Because sometimes things that were yes are no, no, and vice Mm -hmm. versa. So communication is the biggest lube in your sex life in the bedroom always always talk it out absolutely and so i think that's a perfect transition to you know plug how people can get in touch with you if they would like to hire you for your services or if they just want to you know read more or listen more to your podcast or your blog or anything like that yeah absolutely so you can find me at www.azariamenezes.com you can come find me on instagram i'm always hanging out on there at azaria menezes azaria.menezes or you can find my podcast as we mentioned before in the beginning is getting intimate so on this podcast i talk all about how to invite more pleasure into your Mm -hmm. life and translate that into your relationship as well. Yes, highly recommend. I know today we focused in on porn, did kind of a deep dive, but Azaria provides so much more than that. And so I would highly recommend checking out her podcast to start and yeah, seeing what else she has to offer. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me here. Yes, thank you. This was an amazing discussion. Let's be exclusive. Subscribe to Interstates and Heartbreak wherever you listen to podcasts for more firsthand stories about the unglamorous side of dating in Los Angeles. And while you're at it, you can write me a love letter with a rating and review on Apple. See you next Sunday.